this podcast is for educational or entertainment purposes only. This podcast is not to be a substitute for seeking mental health therapy, mental health treatment if necessary. If you or your loved one is in need of mental health services, please call 911. Please contact your mobile crisis. For those outside of the U.S., please contact your emergency services or go to your nearest hospital. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. Hello, social workers, mental professionals, and change agents. Welcome to another episode of season six of the Social Work Fans Podcast. I'm your host, Bass Moreno. Saludos a todos. Greetings, everybody. Thank you for tuning in, tapping in. Wherever you are watching or listening to this podcast, uh, thanks everybody for your love, support, and following, and, and chatting away, and, and uh, subscribing on YouTube, and leaving comments, or on the audio platforms that, that you guys listen to this podcast. So I appreciate your love and support. Gracias a todo por su apoyo. Uh, you can follow the podcast on Instagram at the Social Work Rants Podcast. That's all one word. Follow the podcast on Twitter. Don't let Elon uh, scare you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at Social Work Rants, all one word. And don't let Zuckerberg, the, whatever Zuckerberg likes to do <laughs> on Facebook, a.k.a. Meta. Uh, type in the Social Work Rants podcast, hit the like button, and, and follow along with uh, the page. Obviously, the YouTube channel, uh, hit the uh, red subscribe button, follow along. All videos will uh, be on YouTube, or you can listen to wherever audio platform you listen to podcasts. And type in the Social Work Rants podcast, and you see the, the logo, and, and follow along on uh, on, on my journey of uh, uh, three Celebrating three years of the podcast, so uh, think things are uh, looking good. Uh, and my guest at this time, coming out of uh, Virginia, uh, Virginia's kind of like, kind of catering towards like Virginia's. You're like like the third or fourth social worker from oh, Virginia okay. has been on 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 the podcast, and, and just driving through Virginia is. Virginia's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Just driving driving through it. So it's like, Elise, how how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Thank you for uh you know coming along. Uh we record this episode on a on a on a Saturday morning. <laughs> so it's <laughs> I, I have my breakfast already, so I, I got my my coffee. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, I'm good to go. I'm wide awake. <laughs> yeah, same here. <laughs> so uh, let let people know uh, who you are, what you do in that wonderful, exciting field of social work. So, I guess previously, my name is Elise Cook, and I am an LMSW out of Charlottesville, Virginia. I work at the University of Virginia in their um, outpatient psychiatric clinic. Um, I'm the only social worker in that clinic, and it's really been a great journey to, like, be able to create my own job within social work, which is not a real common thing. Um, We hear a lot about, like, inpatient social work, but we don't hear a lot about outpatient social work in relation to to, um, hospital medical social work. Um, How long you been doing that? I started in, the like, June, like, end of May, beginning of June. And it kind of just came oh, 2022? Out. Yeah, 2022. Okay. Um, I didn't even apply for this job. I like <laughs> I wasn't even qualified for this job. I applied for something completely different. And during the interview, the, the my boss was like, yeah, we have this other job that's available, but you're not licensed yet. So I don't know if you'd be able to uh, do it. And then he came back like two days later and he was like, yeah, so we made it so that you could you could have the job that I was... <laughs> And he was like, I just think that you're just more qualified than someone that we did have with the LCSW, which kind of goes back to our previous conversation. But 
Um, mm. So that's how I kind of found my way to Charlottesville. I wasn't living here and I moved here for this job. Oh, where were you living at before? So I went to Radford University, which is, um, if you know where Blacksburg is or Virginia Tech, it's right there. Um, and I was living in that area and I did a sort of community treatment um, for a bit. And then um, I kind of got burnt out doing that. And then I worked for DeVita for a little bit. And then I just like took a break. Like I took a month off. Like it's weird because I just graduated like in 2020 with my master's. Okay. And I just was so overwhelmed. Like with the field and COVID and I had like a patient commit suicide and mm. my grandfather died and it was just oh wow like I need to just take a break. So I took a month off and I like applied to jobs I actually wanted and I was offered all three jobs. Like it it was it was special, I would say. Like I feel like everyone should have that time off to be able to really look for jobs they want. And I feel like we're so pressured. Um, especially after graduation to find something because you had to pay back those loans. But I would say like that was a real eye opener for me. And I'm glad that I had the opportunity to do that. that, No, that's that's great that you were able to find find something like what you do. I I have heard of Radford like I know they got a university like only here at Radford if if they make uh, like the NCAA tournament (laughs) basketball. (laughs) But that's how I heard it, like, uh, of uh, uh, Radford. Um, but that's a like to unpack for, like, you had a, a client, you know, complete suicide plus, you know, a loss. And I think that's part of, like, my background. I talk about, you know, uh, uh, visually my background, my poetry book, uh, uh, you know, losing uh, over 10 clients from uh, from COVID and then having, like, my mom passing away from COVID at the same time period. And it was like, no, these no stories need to be be talked about and, and shared within you know, our profession is like and the way just how our government is all about you no know, capitalism we kind of have to like move forward get a job we got bills to pay we got families to support and it's like mm-hmm. it's always on the on the go on the go on the go and it's like but we just had laws like and it's like mm-hmm. companies they only want to give three five days of bereavement leave which is a you know a complete joke and it's mm-hmm. like not always advocate you no know, for you know, companies need to give some some more time whatever time they give is is never enough to 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 mm-hmm. grieve a loss but at the same time is like okay like you know you just graduated from <laughs> during the, during the pandemic <laughs> um and then having you know, these losses and it's like you know it's a lot to, to unpack there mm-hmm. when I first graduated I went into a private practice residency and I thought that would be it was actually based out of Charlottesville so that's kind of how I became like more familiar with Charlottesville and what it had to offer um and I really liked the patients I was working with but I feel like no one really informed me of the toxicity that can also occur in private practice um, I feel like our profession is always gearing towards, oh, go to private practice. You'll make mm-hmm. all this money. But they don't teach you like the business side of it. They don't teach you like being a part of a group practice. They don't teach you like how to market and, and pay taxes and all of that. And so that was like a really big eye opener for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and also being the only like person of color at a private practice um, and seeing like, non-equitable practices kind of just made me feel like nobody talks about any of these things like I've just I don't know I've been in the field for such a short amount of time but I've literally been in every like sector like the micro the macro the mezzo I've been in every sector in like such a short period of time um and I feel like I never was taught enough in my graduate program my master's program about any of them like we were taught the levels but we weren't taught like what you may experience in those levels as far as like um work-based trauma like nobody talks about that the, uh, you basically hit the the the, <laughs> na- the nail on the head of why why the social work race podcast yes. <laughs> exists and, and especially since like season four but you know, i spent a lot of season four talking about entrepreneurship and why we why we cater social workers to private practice, but yet you don't want to talk about you know, business taxes, applying for business credit, you no, know, you no, know, 
it's expensive and it's a lot of work to to start you know start your own business or uh, uh, shout out to everybody who who works on nine to five and then has their own llc their own business on the mm-hmm. side because it's like it is uh it's a lot and it's like stuff that are is not being taught in in, in graduate schools and you know for us you know, you know for latinos and black african-americans there's other people of, of color that we especially during covid and, and now we would be so killing it you know financially because so many people like need help and it kind of like a trickle down effect, you no know, domino effect of, mm-hmm. of you know, the damn ASWB exam. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's like with with the the lot the lack of of us, you know, particularly fa- failing the exam, but then like people that we serve look look like you you and me that that mm-hmm. need that need the help and, and we and, and people that look like you and me or or the ones that have been impacted the most from 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 COVID and even prior to COVID issues affect affect us the, the most in, in many ways. So it's like why social work schools are, are not teaching all, all this stuff and teaching like workplace trauma because um, me I'm like usually the only male that Latino mm-hmm. in, in, in any other jobs and it wasn't until uh, uh, Latinx and Social Revival too. The, the book that came out, by the way, is available mm-hmm. on Amazon to, to, for purchase. Um, you know that I've met other like male Latinos in the in the social work space. So I was like, wait, like, and I only knew like one of them like that I follow. I was like, where, where, where are you? Where have you been? <laughs> like, I've been looking for you guys for for over twenty years <laughs> in the social work field. So it's like, and I could count literally on one hand how many. Latino male I've I've encountered that uh, that I've worked in the, in the space the last 20 21 years so it's like that that's real these these like yeah. you know micro transgressions and all this stuff that that exists in the field or having other people's nonsense like they nonsense one they throw their nonsense on you and it's like mm-hmm. What work for you is not going to work for me, or may not work for me. So why are you putting your stuff on on, on me? So, so it's it is real. Well, everything yeah. you said is like you hit the nail right on the head. Yeah, like in my program, I think we had two males, and one was white, and one was black. My friend Latrell, and I think I found your podcast through. There was another podcast. It was like four black men. I know they stopped doing it recently. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, Melanie Social Worker. Yeah. So shout I, out to them. Yeah, they stopped doing their podcast, which yes. made me like kind of sad. Yes, um, it made me very sad. <laughs> <laughs> and I, was it just because they got like really busy? I can't remember uh, why. I, 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 I don't know well, exactly why they stopped. I know I follow them like individually. So they they got a lot, they do a lot of uh stuff so and they they live throughout different parts of the country so okay um so i don't know but that that was one of like my 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 downers of a big downer <laughs> of 2022 I was like like what but i but i was like i i step up to the play and take and take it <laughs> and keep going so yeah i think it's really important to have like this space because one like if you just go on social media and people talk about social work it's so negative like obviously like this is a rant podcast we could talk about the negative but like there's so many positives of it too um and people always talking about you don't make no money in social work and and I'm just like yeah that that could be true but it also like you can also do multiple things just like you're doing Mm. multiple things and having like passive streams of income like all that is also important or trying to have passion (laughs) (laughs) trying. And I only I only really follow social workers that are like positive about the field. That's one thing I have learned. Like, I don't know if you follow Anima Way. What's that? What's that? What's the handle? <laughs> so I think her handle is Anima Way. Like her first name is Anim and her last way is Awe. So it's A-N-I-M-A-W-E-H. And she's on TikTok as well. But she's like built up her social her social work brand to like she's licensed in like three different states. Mm. She does consulting, she does supervision, 
Um, she's done like travel social work. Um, so yeah, I know, I know that's not like super passive, but I feel right. like she's a really good example of what like having fun and being prosperous in social work can look like. No, yeah, I mean that there's a lot of aspects that 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 are 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 fun in in the field and mm -hmm. you know I you know recently done some traveling and, and kind of like there's always always like to put no no memes or relate, related mm -hmm. to sport like sports memes and related to social work or just like some dancing videos or, or something related to the social work or, or like throwing stabs at the ASWB or yeah. or, or <laughs> NASW uh, so it's like just like you know we need to laugh at like some of the like the nonsense that happens because we so serious on like, yes it's serious stuff that's happening in our profession and, and you know the, the, no no like I mentioned on the podcast you know NASW with their uh, issues especially on social media issues uh, from COVID, I hope things start to change with the with their new C CEO uh, and look and I already reached out to the C the new CEO on the NASW. So uh, let's see what 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 happens what what they do and, and um, like we mentioned, you know, people of color they've had people of color in there and, and on top on their boards in the NASW and still like messing up. <laughs> so yeah. it's like. Um, you know, hopefully, you know, things changing, things are moving, and, and we're finding ways, social workers are finding ways to use what they learn in school or or just life and, and just following their passions and with, you know, fundamentals of social work and, and doing other things that may not need a license for, or like, mm -hmm. you know, you don't need a license to, to start a podcast. <laughs> so I started yeah. a podcast. <laughs> or be a coach, apparently. You can be yeah, just be that. That's a whole conversation for a whole other, whole other time. Like, and I, I've had, I got close friends who, who are life coaches, and there's the whole like debate or re regarding that. That that's out of out of my realm that I don't really <laughs> want to get into. But, um, but yeah, there's so many different things, and there's ways to to try to make money and doing different things, whatever you're passionate about, side projects you're doing. And it's like just a lot of, I think COVID has brought brought out the creativity or just trying different things. We had we had the time or some of us had the time to really sit back and like, let me do this, let me do this. Like, you know, I wrote a book and then I wrote another book. And then, so it was like, you know, um, you know, thing, things seem to like fall in place and whatever, you got to look out for you first and foremost before yeah. like, before you can do you know pretty much anything and, and yeah if you get back in a positive way to to the profession you know that's part of why I've done the podcast as well as to give back there's a lot of MSW students who, who listen there's other licensed social workers who listen other social workers that listen that follow and I try to follow people who, who bring positivity to to the profession and try to get back and do good work and, and use the podcast as a connection tool is like so okay so I go out to these different states like hey I'm I'm, I'm coming to your state <laughs> <laughs> what what's out there that I need to go to so it's like you know it's it it kind of the, the creativity is out there to to, to make money and doesn't you don't necessarily have to be licensed you can be licensed not licensed it's everybody gotta just follow what whatever works for them individually or, or within their family structure and just do that like it doesn't matter what anybody in, in profession says what, what works for one person is not going to work for for you yeah I feel like it really starts with, like we don't talk about CSWE but I feel like it really starts with CSWE like we get to NASW and a lot of people can become not complacent but we're used to the way we're treated because I think part of CSWE is not really advocating for social work students. Like we get used to not being paid in our master's programs when we have to do internships. We get used to um, not having anybody advocate for our behalfs in our programs um, when we go against like professors who have a lot of microaggressions or macroaggressions against us. Um, and it's like, well, our program is CSW accredited, but we never really hear from CSWE. We just no, know our 
<laughs> we just know our program has to be accredited by this body that has this uh I was able to go to the CSW conference one year and I was like wow like this is a real privilege because you get to actually meet people that are making the decisions for why the programs are the way they are but at the same time it's like you want me to be educated in diversity and inclusion and all these other things but at the same time you will advocate for me to be paid in these internship sites and that just rolls into me not really wanting to have my worth when I get into my postmaster's um, lifestyle. Right. And I just, I've noticed that with a lot of my peers and I've really been pushing them to advocate for better like raises and um, getting paid more and like asking for more money. Like one of my friends just got hired at a state hospital down here. And I said, you know, even if you don't get what you ask for, like you need to ask. Because you never know what could be on the table for you if you don't ask. Um, and like getting clarity as far as what your sign-on bonus is and if it's going to have taxes taken out and all these things that are not taught to us. And I feel like that should be a part of CSWE. Like, like you said earlier about the business aspect of social work. Why is that not an offering? Why is that not like a forced offering or elective or mandatory class we take? If you want people to be in private practice, because you're going to need private practice therapists, you're going to need people that understand insurance. Mm -hmm. Why is that not part of our programs? Like insurance isn't going away from my understanding. And from my job, I see how hard it is for older adults specifically. That's my niche is older adults to even have outpatient therapists because they have supplemental Medicare and nobody explained to them that therapists don't take supplemental Medicare if that's the primary. So, mm. I mean, yeah. And I feel like nobody talked about insurance when I was in my master's program. They just expect you to learn about it when you get out, but that could be too late. You're gonna be advising people how to accept or apply for Medicaid and Medicare. And in Virginia, I don't know about Delaware, but we got like seven Medicaid MCOs. They all different things. You gotta be paneled with each, you can't even be you can be paneled with Medicaid, but then you have to be paneled with the seven M- Medicaid MCOs that all pay different things. Mm. And then there's Medicare and then there's the supplemental Medicare. And it's like, who who wants to go through all of this for like no money? No, exactly. And, and Medicare is changing. Like at my clinic, we have a policy where our patients have to come into the clinic in person every twice a year. And in in April, Medicare is going to make that across the board. Like my, my clinic is just gearing up to do it now, but um, because of COVID, they were a little bit more lax about it. Right. But think of all the telehealth places that accept Medicare that don't have an in-person office. How are they going to see people right. in person? They're just not going to take Medicare. And that's going to leave a huge gap for these older adults and disabled people that just don't have access. Right, or or forcing people, forcing those those therapists to to find office space that that's gonna take money from mm-hmm. from their profits that and, and trying to like to, to see the people. So it's like, yeah. and, whether, and whether they come or not, then so it's a it's a, a domino effect. But but also at the same time, when when the government wants to do these cuts, they the first things they get cut is Medicaid and Medicare. So, yep. like, <laughs> and then you don't want to do me- Medicaid, Medicare for all. So it's like, so, so are you trying to help your, <laughs> trying to help the people if you always. I would love Medicare it. for all. That means everybody just got to apply for one insurance panel and, <laughs> and we'd be on that one insurance panel and we build the same thing um, depending on your area. And I think that's also an issue is, I think a lot of people in the business side of uh, social work talk about is like, we can't discuss our rates. So you may have a black and and brown clinician getting less money than their white counterparts and they live in the same exact zip code Mm -hmm. because we're not allowed to discuss our rates. But meanwhile, there's actually laws when you're in the, the regular sector of you can, you're allowed to talk about your rates, but the insurance companies get a pass. Yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's it's all all 
all this stuff is is needs to be you know talked about more and even like i see like posts about like know people like having like imposter syndrome about raising their rates you know for private practice and, and like you gotta get your get your money however you 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 can get it so it's mm-hmm. like you know and and, it, and it's important like, especially you renting an office just to do therapy or like you know doing the, the telehealth stuff and, and I'm, I'm glad you know, people got you know they got lax to do the telehealth and i hope somehow that 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 continues but you know a lot of this covid stuff is, is slowly coming away and you mentioned insurance i know in my job we're gearing up for uh several uh probably a couple hundred people like you know having their being forced to um like like pre-covid apply for for medicaid uh and like give all the documentations to prove that you qualify for medicaid so a lot, a lot of people is going to lose their Medicaid and going to be mm. for, forced to apply for, uh, for ACA or 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 Obamacare, as mm-hmm. people like to call it. And so it's like we're gearing up for a lot of people losing insurance and uh, under our you know, Ryan White HIV program and gearing up for people having to apply for that, even though Ryan White doesn't have like a lot of funding. So it's like everything's like the funding source and is like the government needs to provide services you always talk about mental health and it's like all right so provide the funding <laughs> so that, <laughs> let's see what this republican house representative <laughs> dominant do i mean they like to nothing. always cut always cut, cut 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 so uh i mean so i mean they got yeah. two they got two years so <laughs> I don't know. I, we had, I think we have a new governor. Yeah. Our new governor is Republican and he doesn't make any sense. Like at all. He's talking about, um, what is it in the schools when they talk about, what is that acronym with the, they teach in black history. I can't remember what the acronym is. Talking about critical race theory. Yeah. He was like, CRT. yeah, he doesn't want CRT in the schools, but like he's real, he wants to be real strict about it. And it doesn't make any sense. And he doesn't like understand, like he really was pushing for kids to go back into schools, like during COVID, like 2021 was pushing kids to go back into schools and the parents wanted that. Mm. Um, I can understand why. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't like your daughter home with you all the time? (laughs) Well, just to to be... uh... I, I was lucky that, you know, the job, the, so this is my, my time for those that, that don't know. So, so I left New, New York 20, October, 2020, moved to Del- literally like October 19th was my last day of my job in Harlem, had a, had a suitcase, got on Amtrak, went to Delaware, moved, and I started a new job the next day in Delaware, <laughs> worked until uh, I saw my first paycheck and I was like, I can not afford getting a house with this paycheck. So I started looking for another job, <laughs> uh, stayed in until like December and the school system, there was an opening in the school system because one of the social workers was about to retire and uh, worked at the, they hired me, worked at the school system like for the six months. Uh, they didn't renew my contract, so spent that whole summer looking for a new job. Mm-hmm. Worked at another school, uh, at another district for, for that year, which was <laughs> crazy. So the first full year, the kids went back into the school system. And I'm actually working in the school buildings compared to like the other dis- the other job that I had was it it, it was. So I had like I was in charge of five different schools. So I was like, sometimes I was doing more home visits than actually um, going into the school building. I tried not to go to the school building because of COVID. If I didn't have to, I was not not going into the building. I would do a home visit and meet people like in their in their foyers or like garage areas or or, or outside they, their house mm-hmm. meeting people. Um, and I spent a lot of time working with uh, like. Um, Latino families that was they wanted me to cater more toward towards them with the caseloads and we had like a lot of like 
migrating families from like Colombia, Venezuela that was coming in, into the neighborhood and helping them uh, registering for schools and stuff like that. So uh, doing all that paperwork and translating and all that other stuff. So uh, was doing that and then, and it was like hybrid. So I was didn't have to go into the office like every five days a week. I just kind of like made my own schedule. So I spent a lot of time at home both kids arguing with them, turn on the camera, pay attention. <laughs> my my fiance at the time was like, turn on your camera. And it was like, no, threatening enough. You don't turn on your camera. I will smack smack you back <laughs> of your head. You don't turn on your camera. Stop, stop having this conversation every day. So it was like having those. So so yeah, I get why parents wanted their kids back in the school for a long story. <laughs> for, for the long winded answer. They don't like what they're teaching in the school. So it's like, you want them back in the school, but you only want them to learn what you wanted them to know. Yeah, so it's just, no. it was, that's what was mind boggling. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense that you don't want to teach, you know, you know, black history. I mean, black history is American history. And also uh, the sex education is, is mind boggling as well. Not wanting to teach. Okay. Those basic, those biologies like where like babies come from like important so like so you don't want to teach sex education but then when the kids start having sex and it's like as so you want a rise in stds which is going to mm -hmm. rise of health health <laughs> health insurance premiums and all this stuff so like now you got to pay for medications that you didn't have to pay for 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 medicines and and want more people being like diagnosed with STDs and, and and HIV and AIDS, so it's like you can't have it both ways. Like it, doesn't, yeah. it just doesn't doesn't make sense. So and so then it, like anti-abortion. So like you don't want kids to learn about. Yeah, exactly. Sex. You don't want to provide um, Condoms, contraception, right. and then when they get pregnant, you don't want to give them any alternative to the pregnancy besides adoption, which we. I, kind of go back and forth about adoption because that could be traumatic process mm -hmm. as well um and i really don't want a 10 year old to be pregnant anyway so exactly. i don't really think adoption should be an option there um because i don't think anybody should go through that trauma especially a child yes um so yeah it's it's rough and in states that they don't teach what i've learned is in states that they don't teach that the other forms of sex education they have the highest rates of teen pregnancy so clearly it's not working. <laughs> the abstinence is not working. <laughs> I, I I get why they want to like, like that. I, obviously abstinence has to be part of the conversation, but it can't be like the only thing. Like people are going to do stuff and, and, it, and it's like more and more. It's, it just doesn't make, it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> it really doesn't. And just put the money out there. Like there's more, obviously the, the government printed all this money during, <laughs> during the pandemic and rightfully so because we'd be totally like freaking crashed like we'd be like mm -hmm. kind of like a third world country at least like financial wise you know uh, right now they, they didn't do that which is why we have a recession so it doesn't matter who was going to be the president as much as people want to blame Biden for the recession even if Trump would have won we would kind of yeah. More likely be in, in the recession uh, that we 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 sort of sort of in. So it's like, um, and the whole world is kind of going through that same recession right now. So it's kind of like, doesn't matter who was president; <laughs> it was mm -hmm. ha happening regardless. So, but you put printed all this money is not going into. You talk about mental health and social services and. He, Yes, the government did give out some money and then you got states like Florida, Texas, and now apparently like Virginia too. That's not money that should be going for proper like education or sex education and, and, and you know, mental health and all this stuff and hiring more, more workers and like where the money's going. Like like the whole water crisis in, in Mississippi, apparently they mm -hmm. the state got the money, but the state didn't pay for it for where it needed to go to help their their water crisis and then you want to like and oh, and they own like state capital and like you having like uh, h if it wasn't for jackson state like the, the state would really be like <laughs> a third world country so 
Um, they, thank you, Coach Prime, for putting money in, in the in the community. <laughs> yeah, um, I know in Virginia, like the mental health issue is really a big deal. I know, I think it was last year they li- we have like five state mental health hospitals. Um, and this kind of goes back to my like client that I think I was telling you that committed suicide, but. I think three out of them were closed. Like they were not taking mm. any more patients. And it was because the acuity had gotten so high that the patients were so violent to staff members that staff were leaving in droves and the state was not doing anything. So they literally had to close or like temporarily close those hospitals right. to try to figure out like how we can increase staffing, how we can give more money, how we can really support the, the staff there. And I just saw an email from Senator Tim Kaine saying that they're going to actually add one to a facility, a mental health facility in Southwest Virginia, which doesn't really have a lot of um, mental health facilities at all. Mm. Um, and Virginia also has, and that was like, I think that was recent. So they're going to spend like 300000 to expand and have more beds at this unit. So that was one thing I was glad to see. But my patient that actually committed suicide, they have this rule in Virginia that I don't know if it's like this in Delaware, but if you go in the ER, um, they can place you anywhere in the state. And that comes from, um, I think there was a judge, his son, um, he had to kill his own son because there wasn't any room in that local hospital for him. And he was having a psychotic episode. Um, And so we have patients that will go three hours away, four hours, five hours away, just to go to a mental health facility or sit in the ER for three days um, and then be discharged who are still suicidal, who are still homicidal with no real like follow-up care. Um, And I think that's a good step of like, like you said, like we need to really be investing in these mental health facilities because there's not even a lot of um, juvenile mental health facilities for Mm. kids to go to without them literally just locking kids in like prisons, like mini prisons and just giving them medication. So yeah, I think that's where my biggest struggle with like where I think the money should be going is like mental health facilities for people um, and obviously social services. We need that as well to help those people when they transition out. But being on that side, like my internship was in one of those facilities, I see them struggle the most. No, uh, yeah, I mean, I saw <laughs> you know, seeing kids, you know, just struggling just because the work being hard or even try to trying to get on the zoom to even try to even like you know go go into their classroom through zoom and they, they couldn't you know I, there's a lot of rules a lot of farmland where, where i live at and it doesn't matter what service you had no matter what provider like the the wi-fi many wi-fis were given out was not going to work so it was like so a lot of kids were parents didn't want to go back into the school building so they end up you know missing class and now they end up having uh to go to court because they they miss they miss all all this time in school and it's, it's that we got to do the paperwork to, <laughs> for them missing missing school is not uh fault of their own it's just it, it became part of the territory so oh. yeah so it's it, it's it's a lot. I mean, but yet the go. I mean, the government want to give all this money to to diff, different countries, and it's like, why can't put the money, <laughs> the money here, and it's like when well, well, we need it instead of you know all these different lobby lobbyists in, in DC that ask for all this money, and, and the government caters to them. So it's 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 a lot. That's. It's a lot to unpack. It's, a, it's just a lot, and you know, all we could do is continue to advocate. And mm-hmm. and I know there's, a, especially here in Delaware, there's a lot of services that just, I mean, just out, just regular outpatient clinics that just just need more more of them and more more available throughout the state. Not have a whole bunch of there's three counties here in Delaware, so a lot of them is like. In the main city in Wilmington, like if you hear Wilmington is because of you know, Biden, you see, mm-hmm. um, so there's a lot of social service agencies there, and it's kind of like very few trickled down for the south. You go, and there's like in the central, there's like a little bit, and then in the south where I work at, it is kind of like scattered around, but it's not enough, and 
and just the whole transportation system is not existing. If you don't got a car, then and you need serv and you need services, you kind of unfortunately kind of screwed. Um, yeah, uh, it's like that here too. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> it's like, and it sucks because you're trying to help people, but you're you stuck, and it's like you try to even you try to think outside the box, and it's like there's only so much you can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. My sister actually lives in Delaware. She, I think, she lives like near Bethany Beach. Okay, that, um, that's not not far from where I work at. Yeah, she she lives in one of those like nice beach houses, <laughs> but she talks a lot about how like the the older people that live there, there's not a lot of access to like medical care, mm -hmm. um, and more people are moving there like permanently, like year round. And she's mm -hmm. like, I had to go into Philly to go see my dentist because there's like no dentist here, or they're like booked out for a mm -hmm. whole year. And so it's like, well, who is in charge of like encouraging more people to invest in the healthcare system in that area? Like, yeah, you mm -hmm. have all these rich people coming in with all these money and building yeah. up all these houses, and but who's gonna take care of these people? <laughs> like, who's gonna provide therapy? Not exactly. Um, so nobody thinks about that. It's just um, houses. They just want the pretty stuff. But there's yeah. you need to be able to have a quality of life type yeah, of situation. total quality. Total holistic quality of life is mental, it's physical, it's every everything, and uh, I I totally I totally agree. And I was like, I'm like, well, you got the president who's a native Delawarean. I'm looking at the governor, like, uh, which I I had the pleasure. I I met him one time when I got the first booster. So it just happened, just randomly, like he was there, like doing promo shots and stuff. Like, oh, Biden or the governor? Of Delaware? The governor, the governor of Delaware. Oh. Um. I think I saw Biden once on a bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't confirm if it was him or not, but he had a bunch of the person that was had a, a bunch of people driving like in bicycles like around him. So I, I'm pretty sure that was him. Yeah. Um, but the governor met him one time and I was like, bro, the president is a native Delaware. You can't ask on the side, like ask for, for a couple more dollars <laughs> for the state. And it's like, and, and it's like, you know, like, state need money there's all this land and, and instead of you know, they want to do all these uh, building communities of like single family homes literally from scratch which is why I kind of like what uh, gravitated me to move down here like literally communities built from scratch that used to be mm -hmm. used to be farmland and it's like okay so what about supportive housing what about uh a boys and girls club or something rec recreational for these kids to do or mix you know boys and girls club with with our patient mental health clinic and provide a contract to these people or bring in have other agencies kind of like open up that are in other states come into delaware and invest in the the, the youth and young adults and, and adults here and kind of open up so social service agencies here instead of like using farmland just <laughs> be nothing but but houses so it's, it's like it's, and I and I try to bring it up in like Facebook groups and stuff like that like it's like and people just kind of like kind of like read it read the comments like nothing like, like but then you want to like complain and they're like all right so i'm giving you a solution <laughs> a possible solution like the problem we all facing and it's like nothing 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 happens and it's like uh you know the school board don't don't really do much other than like if it's not about a, about the the high school sports teams it's like they just, just don't care <laughs> if we don't win the state championship one of the teams want the state championship they don't don't, don't care <laughs> But like it does affect those people because once exactly. the kids and they have nothing to do, they gonna start doing stuff they're not supposed to do, and then exactly. people are gonna complaining about well, why are these kids like this or th shouldn't they go to college? Aren't there only really like three state colleges in Delaware? Yeah, There's everybody either go to UD or they go to Dell State or, or and I know Dell State getting you know a, a lot of money in terms of different things, and they're trying to do. They recently had a, a, a their president is really trying to do a lot of, a lot of things, but that takes time to really see mm -hmm. where the money's actually not going. But so, and other small like community colleges, and there's another university as well. So it's like it's it's like stuff to do, but stuff is like on 
on a download, you gotta know people. Like I said, <laughs> if you're not doing something in kind of, I think like sports kind of opens the door to like mm-hmm. everything else. And Delaware, all the agencies do a terrible job promoting um, what they do in the community to try to help out. So unless you know, if you don't see it on social media, you just don't know what exactly is going on. Or unless you work in the hospital or you work in the school system, you don't know what's going on. That could be a good opportunity, like, for consulting, obviously, like, bridging the hospital systems and the social services agencies. Like, I know they're probably already connected, but as far as, like, having joint ventures in the community and, like, really helping as far as, like, doing health fairs and doing community activism, like, I've learned, like, being inside of a um, healthcare system that we have a lot of, like, bargaining power in the community and we don't really work with the local agencies. We don't really know what they do. We don't know what they right. offer um, unless we need something from them. And then it's like, oh yeah, you, how, how you doing? Can you, uh, Salvation Army, I got this patient, you know, I'm gonna need yeah. you to have some housing for them. Or uh, one of our shelters is actually closing down. Like from what I've heard, they're only winner only. And why we only have one shelter in the whole city of Charlottesville when there's all these students, all these people, Unless you're domestic violence, then you may right. have two options. But right. other than that, it's Salvation Army. Yeah, we got we got one major uh, shelter as well. Like, you need to open it up another shelter. Not everybody in the whole state could go to that one shelter that never has any any openings. It's like every time you call, <laughs> we don't have openings. Somebody or... My face when I called them, I said, I have this patient and he needs housing. Well, how old is he? And I said, I think he's like 65. Oh, no. It laughed my face like, ah, that's funny. You thought you was going to get a bed. And I was just like, why is this funny? Like, yeah. this is not funny. <laughs> no, it's, no it's, it's really not because, you know, people, a lot of people going to be losing their, their housing within the, this year if the, yeah. if the government don't get it together, recession get gets worse. I mean, that when I first heard of, of possible recession, obviously I thought about, 2008 and how it affected you know social work I know uh, you mentioned the hospitals being closed I worked in Queens in New York and there was like three hospitals uh, two like in in Jamaica in Queens and there was another hospital um, like Elmer's uh, and there was like a couple other ones in in, in downtown in New York City that closed down Um, so it was like that was like the beginnings of it and people like uh, preventive services agencies uh, were closing or like kind of like merging together. Uh, so people who were like just left foster care and got preventive services, a lot of those agencies closed down. So it was like a, a lot happening. So I was wondering what that was going to look like in our profession and in, in throughout you know, the, the cities and the different states, what, what, they're, what they were looking like. So, I mean, I haven't really heard, you know, too much at least not yet like it's starting yeah. but like the medic the medicaid is happening you gotta recertify that that's happening and a lot of uh people that were getting money of like co extra covid money that that's being gone so people go back to budget how they did prior to prior to covid yeah i think also like if you look at what happened in georgia they only have like one major hospital right now i'm sure in atlanta um and the one that they closed was where all the black and brown people lived and they closed because they didn't want to accept Medicaid funding. The governor didn't want to accept Medicaid funding. Um, and what is so that governor I, doing? I don't know, like setting them up for failure pretty much. So I haven't heard much about it since they closed, but it's like, you would think that that would be something that is more talked about, especially for those people that voted for Stacey Abrams. Exactly. <laughs> And they're now suffering because they don't have access to health care. Yeah, I don't know. And and I went to Atlanta last year. Like, obviously, Atlanta is so big, you're not going to, like, for you need, like, a, a week just to kind of, mm-hmm. <laughs> at least a week go through, like, all the different parts of Atlanta, but, or at least the, the nicer parts, touristy stuff in Atlanta. But um, it's just so, like, it seemed like from, especially during that election, it seemed like it was like Atlanta versus like the, <laughs> the rest of the state. So, yes. <laughs> so I, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand. Like, like 
and I had like somebody recently talk about like you know education in terms of politics and stuff but I think people need to like be educated more on the actual like what happens like if I vote for this guy what actually or woman what actually is gonna like may happen like actually follow what they talking about and it's like how that might affect me or anybody day in day out like you cut this okay how does that affect this and it's like let me go back to cutting medicaid medicare and there's no reason why a huge city like atlanta have like one hospital where everybody for the last like five years has been like trying to move to atlanta <laughs> the surrounding borough and atlanta's like like real hot to a point that's like the housing market is crazy it even became expensive now so it's like oh. you can't you can't like you need like at least like six hundred thousand just to <laughs> even sniff at a house now in, a, in atlanta it's not like it used to be like yeah it used to be really cheap to live down in there like you could yeah. get mini mansion for like 300 350 and that's yeah. not and texas too like they just had their election and they voted in the same Greg Abbott who <laughs> didn't care about the, the grid. Um, and I just, I don't understand. Like, I don't, I feel bad for the people that do get out and vote in areas like that because you can tell like they're really putting their best foot forward and they're just not enough of them. Mm. Or at least not yet or they're not, not old enough or I think within the next like few years has like, I think like the younger generation are, are really kind of like paying attention to what what's out there. You got like the, the teens who like 15, 16, like they 17 mm-hmm. and it's like, this is not working. <laughs> and they like, want to do something about it, but they not, they, they are, as they got to wait till they, they 18 to actually vote, but they, they like starting, like you have these conversations and, and it's like, okay, the next cycle like 2024 i think we might see that or definitely 2028 i think that's um you know really you're gonna see like i was even even like today as it was recorded i saw um representative jeffries was talking gave like a huge speech and uh, i put it in the comments jeffries 2028 (laughs) 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 for president just uh it, it it is it's it's just a lot and and it, and it affects our work what we do day day in day day out and um we need to continue to talk about politics and i've had uh people who ran for different offices on, on the podcast and more of us continue to uh need to get out and who knows more about like day in day out issues than than us who are who do the, the front the front lines day in day out and, and kind of like help educate people on the different things and like I've had conversations I've had conversations with, with people who are freaking uh captains in, in police departments and it's like who are like diehard like Republicans and it's like but your your parents are like the same age as mine and you don't want this so that means you don't want that for you for your yeah. for your parents for your aunts and stuff so like like what are you what are you doing yeah or like you see, like as a police officer, you see the mental health issues. Like you see them firsthand, mm-hmm. um, and you know that people that you're arresting could really just need like mental health care. And to like vote against the interest of like what impacts you every day is just like yeah. it blows. Yeah, these people just don't just they they just don't think they. I think people uh, just vote party and uh, doubt. Uh, vote Republican my whole life, I'm going to continue to vote or vote Democrat the whole life. You really need to vote just based on what affects you day day, day in, day out. And yeah. if, if that happens to be a person of the opposite party or, or a third party, I think you know, we're, I think we've gone past the two-party system that it really needs another party or two parties need to be involved in whatever. I don't think we ever might see that because we we stuck on this thousand year old freaking constitution <laughs> but yeah. you know it's uh a change is definitely coming and is it's happening slowly already you know with uh, uh politicians who've been there for like 
years and years finally retiring slowly and it's like a new guard happening but that's happening slowly so it's and it kind of trickles and you kind of see that also like in social work like people been there forever like you get a job like in one of our states and like a state job or any you dare like 20 years like you're not there's no reason for you to go anywhere unless like you leave on your own so <laughs> yeah that's one of my like things that i tell people coming into the field like don't be afraid to leave because you have the MSW, you're valuable. You don't have to stay, like, unless you like have to stay somewhere, you are valuable. You don't have to stay somewhere that doesn't treat you right. Um, And I, like, I, like I said, I stayed somewhere for two weeks. I, I was like, they, they are racist and I'm not going to be a part of it. So I'm going to leave and I end up finding places that were better. And I know some people don't have that opportunity, but like, I think part of it is never stopping to look for, what you want your career to look like. Like if you have a vision for what you want to do with your social work degree, you know, continue to look for mm -hmm. positions that are going to satisfy that. Like there is really no loyalty to these agencies because you could die tomorrow and they're going to have to fill your slot. No, no, uh, that, that's, that is facts. Like even if you're, you're good or you're comfortable somewhere, just is good just to continue to see what, what's out there that's why when, you, when you're ready to leave and you kind of have uh this idea of, of what's already out there or you or you kind of see a pattern of like different agencies that like you still looking for a social worker like <laughs> and be like two two years later it's like the position is still available it's like so you're already ruling out agencies you don't want like there's got to be a red flag something going on for yeah the job i left they had that opening for like six months and then when i left they still don't have a social worker and that's not even a public agency that's a private corporation mm -hmm. and it's like you're right like they have at the office i was working that was right across from where i went to school that has an MSW program. So how you right across from a, a school that offers an MSW and you can't find an MSW that wants to work there? Something is off. That does yes. that. That is a red flag. No, that's a huge red flag. <laughs> and it's like, I think um, maybe MSW programs, maybe because of relationships that that they have in communities stuff like that. That they they're not going to teach teach that but that that's something that's going to come with experience but definitely like look out for for red flags such as you know like that <laughs> so that, that that's a huge red flag like yes. you, you can't even like do a recruiting visit to the school and be like hey we looking or, or like something or like you would think one, one of the professors like okay i want to bring in like somebody that worked from the agency and just talk about the agency or we're looking and, and this and that and yeah. or even like they may have to like just um lower their standards of who they look okay we hire you with you got your should to show proof of your degree and we work our way maybe get some paperwork uh, sign off by by your lc or something like that there has to be so that agency like davita doesn't actually like pay do your supervision mm. As, yeah, a as, part as part of the red flag is like they want you to have your LCSW, but they're not willing to hire someone without it and give them supervision. And when we talk about the ASWB and we talk about the barriers to getting licensed, it's not just, oh, it's so easy to ha work somewhere for two years consistently mm -hmm. and get all your hours and take the test because the test is biased. Yes. So you're using this certification as the the cream of the crop of what you need to work there and it's not even equitable right not even a fair you know scale no absolutely no absolutely now you mentioned the the, the test and you had an offline conversation that your your mom is a, a social worker and actually teaches how to pass the test how how, how your mom get into feeling and what's that dynamic like of having a daughter somebody who's a social worker and actually teaches people about the test so my mom um she's from dc and she became a social like she knew that she wanted to become a social worker because her neighbor was a social worker growing up so she has mm -hmm. always been um in that field and i think she started i want to say 15 years ago with this uh company so it's faj inc and she 
teaches for the exam. She has licensure prep courses. She has tutoring for the exam. She also does therapy, um, but she also travels. So if you know anyone that would be interested, like she has offered to even come to my university and do like a um, introductory, like one day seminar or something about um, preparing for the test. So she's open to even doing things like that. But um, she, I guess, just really has a passion for teaching people. And she's really good at explaining the test to people. Um, she doesn't have like the rates for how many people pass because mm -hmm. people, you know, take their time. They may not take the test right after they take the class. Um, but she has a lot of people just come to her based off of referrals because people do so well um, with her courses. So yeah, definitely reach out to her. She does classes, I want to say every month or every other month. She has a three-day class. She has a two-day class. She has, uh, I think, a six-week class. So if you just feel like you need a refresher, you could do the weekend class or tutoring, which is one-on-one. -on -one. Um, or if you feel like you need the long game, she has those longer week classes, which is like every Tuesday for a couple hours. Mm -hmm. um, and I think having it in a class format, like she even has a classroom, like she built a classroom <laughs> onto our house to like do this class because she found it to be really important. Um, and I would say a lot of the social workers in DC and Maryland have her to thank for why there's many more of them um, in the field that look like us because mm -hmm. she kind of caters to our to our population. So, so be, beside, besides the, and that's huge, you know, catering to, to the pop, population, but the actual like test prep, what, what's the difference between how, you, how your mom does it in, compared to there's so many different ones. And I think that's part of the struggle of the MSW student is like, all right, I've seen like the Dawn book. I've seen, uh, I know there's a guy in Michigan, he does, classes on youtube oh yeah I've seen. Uh, uh, you know I, i've had like the, the, the boot camp as we call it in new york there's like that and, and dr shapiro who i had on the podcast she has her course like so what's different that that your mom does i feel like it's just her personality um as far as like so she has a book that she teaches out of but like she also does the tutoring which is really one-on-one -on -one, and i think she learns how people respond to different questions so she has people do like a pretest, and so she can learn how what people are struggling with for her for the exam um, and then she kind of can center the course around that and she knows you know what each individual person in her class has gotten on the pretest, so she can kind of you know cater to who is in her classroom and then she does a post test and still offers that tutoring and if people want to come back um, I think she offers like a discounted rate if people want to come back if they don't do well in the test so I think she really gets to know who is in her class with the other, the other, um, with the other courses, I feel like it may be a one size fits all type of situation where you're, you're going in, you're, you're reviewing this, you're reviewing this test book, um, you're taking these practice tests, but you're not really getting to know the people in your class. You're not really right. getting to form study habits, um, breaking down the questions individually I know the one guy on YouTube does that but like you're not getting the same feedback and she mm -hmm. does in-person and telehealth and she also travels okay. so I feel like that kind of sets her apart um and she's also been in the field for how old am I like close to 30 years so she not only has seen the test evolve over time mm -hmm. but she keeps up to date on what it's what it's looking like um and she's worked in every sector of social work so I feel like she understands, like, if you're struggling with certain questions, why you'd be struggling with them. And it's not like, oh, you should know this, you should do better. But more so, yeah, I understand why you would think that. But the test is going to ask you for this question. So you need to be able to think like this as well. So it's not just um, recollection or trying to remember a ton of stuff. It's actually understanding the question, why it's framed that way. And understanding that you don't have to you know, do exactly what the test says when you graduate, but just right. to pass this test, you need to focus <laughs> on how it's asking the question. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's not that not as fascinating to, and and the, the test is, is changing again. To, I saw something about it's only going to be three three questions, and, and there's some other minor, at, at least three three answers okay. to, to the questions. So it's like uh, they're taking out like all of the above or whatever like 
that fourth answer was, or I don't know how much of a difference that that's going to be, but uh, I'm always like, no, screw the exams <laughs> or F the exam <laughs> or F F A A S W B. By the way, I saw those t-shirts on, online too. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, um, you know, but people, you know, people who have different aspirations in terms of career that I'll go back to just whatever works for you. You feel you want to take it for you and you want to, because you want to do clinical work or you want to do this or you're, got an agency and and they require it for because of their contracts and stuff then obviously by by all means we do it or you want to work do social work and don't need it or got nothing to do do with taking the exam then and you're able to sustain yourself and your your lifestyle then do that too so like it shouldn't be like one or the other this there's so many things that we could do and there's also many people who who i follow they're like look at what you every, all, all the stuff you can do with msw <laughs> so it's like that that education needs to be more out there as well and, and give msw students that that opportunity um that there's so many stuff that so many things you could do and i'm still learning as as well that you know because i've always been stuck on 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 the licensing piece to at least 2019, 2020. And it's like, what? I, like, when my co- coworker told me like grandfather in, I, I, I was willing to pay like any type of money. Like, <laughs> like what? It was more investment <laughs> to you because of what you had already gone through. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So it was like, and then to, to just be, and like I renewed and they didn't ask for like my CEUs, like all the CEUs I did that was like, hey, here's, here's your, my email, with my renewal for 2025. I was like, I had to like go back and like put in like all the one by one, all the CEUs I did. They didn't even like bother like looking at it. <laughs> like here's your license, you good to 2025. Like, yeah, I guess I'll, they just- I'll keep, I'll keep paying whatever. <laughs> Even if you increase the fees, like so I'm, I'm, I'll keep keep paying it as long as I don't gotta <laughs> I don't gotta pay to take a test, and I'm I'm not trying to do the LC like anytime soon. Yeah. All right. Well, where, where could be where could people find you? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a good question. So, um, I would say find me on LinkedIn because I like to post on LinkedIn, and I feel like that's the most professional way to find me. Um, <laughs> so it's just Elise, E-L-E-A-S-E, Cook, C-O-O-K. Um, and if you type in, uh, like the LinkedIn website, I can send it to you as well, but I have a short link with just my last name, Elise-Cook, after the LinkedIn, um, and just send me a message that you found me through this podcast and I'll be sure to add you. I really feel like that's the best way to network. Um, I found a lot of my jobs that I've applied for through LinkedIn and I've had good success through there. Um, I want to thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I really appreciate it. No, no, um, no. Thank you, you know, for this uh, you know, great conversation and, and very enlightening. And uh, I hope uh, people take even willing to take take notes because a lot of stuff we we talked about, you no, know, no, is real and it affects our, our work day in day out in terms of our clients and the insurance pieces is is, is only. It's only going to get 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 worse before before it gets better. So mm-hmm. we, we we need to have these continue to have these conversations. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, no problem.